In the name of God who creates, redeems, and sanctifies. Amen. Please sit. For a few weeks here in the middle of the summer, toward the end of July, we get these parables from Jesus about sowers and seeds, about plants and growth and harvest. Last week, Jesus started us in that direction by telling us a little bit about how to interpret the parable so we could find our way through it. And this week, he does something similar, but with just the disciples. They go off somewhere else, and the disciples say, explain that to us, would you? And he's counting on the fact that in the explanation, the disciples still understand their context, a context that is a little bit lost on us. Jesus is talking to an agrarian society where even folks who weren't farmers were close enough to farmers, either in proximity or in spirit, that they would have heard some of these stories with different ears and understood some of the intricacies in ways that we don't at first. I am not a farmer, as you know. If you know me well, you know that I love nature, especially when I'm in the air conditioning and can look at it outside. I don't think most of you are farmers either, but perhaps some of us have grown enough in gardens or in raised beds to start to understand the dangers of weeds. To understand that in particular, when we grow food, your job as the sower, the farmer, the caretaker, is to protect those tiny little plants. There are so many things in the world that become obstacles to the growth of these little miraculous beings that bear fruit, regardless of what that fruit is, whether it's wheat or tomatoes or berries. There are bugs and storms and floods and other animals and weeds, to name just a few. They are threats to the growth of these tiny little creatures. And your job as the farmer or as one who would grow and harvest is to protect those little plants by getting rid of all of those threats. So that means you kill the bugs, you pull the weeds, you build something to keep the animals and the flooding away. Plants thrive and produce good fruit when they are protected. And so that's your job if you are the grower, to guard them, to care for them lovingly, kind of around the clock. They're needy, defenseless little creatures, right? You see where I'm headed here. Now, Jesus's audience would have known all of this. And so this parable would have been a little confusing and maybe even a little shocking to them. Because in this parable, the sower goes out to the field and sows good seed, seed that is formed by the word of God, right? That's how we come to understand it. Seed that grows the kingdom of God seed that will grow and give life and bear good fruit, seed that has been loved into being by God, the sower. And then while everyone is asleep, an enemy comes and sows weeds among the good seed. And when the wheat comes up and begins to bear fruit, the weeds, of course, are in the middle of the field as well. And the question is, should we pull out the weeds? And the sower shockingly says, no. Any good farmer, any self-respecting farmer, would have said, you should have done that already. We shouldn't be at the point where pulling them out would disrupt the growth of the good stuff, of the good plants that are bearing fruit. 
you shouldn't have let it get that far. First, they should have been pulled out when they were small. You can tell the difference, even when they're just coming up, between the wheat and the weeds. And so any good self-respecting farmer would have said, you should have done that a long time ago. Before we get too far down the road, before there's damage to be done, these little sneak attack weeds should have been dealt with already. And the fact that they weren't tells us something important about God. And Jesus would have been hoping, would have been expecting that the disciples, and perhaps even the crowds, would have caught that. They might not have known what important thing it was about God, but they would have known that there was something off in that explanation. And then there's the moment when the sower says to leave the weeds in because now it's too late. And pulling the weeds would threaten the life of the wheat, which is already bearing fruit. Jesus tells us that it is an enemy that has done this, that it is evil that brought the weeds into being. And typically we interpret this to mean the devil, since that's what Jesus says. The devil challenging God, pushing God, perhaps even baiting God. And I wonder if you can think of a time in your life, because I can think of several in mine, when something goes wrong and you sort of want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. And I, I have to admit, for obvious reasons, I don't love that particular idiom, but it's the one that really captures what I'm going with right now. How many of us, when we're frustrated, either because we've made a mistake or because we think that someone else has made a mistake or, or even intentionally done something that we don't think we can fix, how many times have we just wanted to throw up our hands and call it a loss and walk away? I know that I have had moments of frustration like that, and I imagine that you have had some too. It can be a despairing moment, or an angry moment, or a sad or a frustrating moment, but the, the instinct to just say, you know what, never mind, I'm done, or perhaps you might use some more colorful language, that instinct is profoundly human. It's imperfect, but it's one that we all share to get so frustrated that we literally throw the good out with the bad. We end relationships, we give up on projects, we close off pieces of our heart, we numb ourselves to the pain of the world, thinking, what small bit that I can do won't make a difference to end hunger, to end racism, to save the planet, whatever it is. And so we let ourselves off the hook and we give up. And perhaps even we are we are tricked into pulling things apart, pulling the good and the bad out together. And this is precisely what the devil wants God to do. But it is not what God does. God waits. God never gives up. God knows that the wheat is bearing fruit, that the word has planted good news in the world, that there are disciples of Jesus all over the world who are doing good things, that are preaching good news, not just in their words, but in the way that they live. God knows that the seed is good and that it is pointing toward the kingdom. God knows that the fruit of redemption that will save all of creation is already growing.
And so God is willing to wait with patience for the good work to be completed, for the plan of creation to run its course, for all to be redeemed. The evil one, as Jesus calls him, may have wanted God to be angry and vindictive, to make a rash decision that would have undone some of this good work. But God, who is patient and merciful and loving and kind, was never going to do that. Instead, God will wait for us to bear fruit and for all of creation to bear fruit in hope. God knows that the kingdom has been established and that it is only a matter of time and our effort for God's good purposes to prevail on earth. And this was always the plan. So what this text asks us to consider in this moment as we look at it with our sort of postmodern eyes, is a nuanced view. It acknowledges that even though Jesus has come, even though the word has planted good seed, even though the good work of the gospel is in process, even though there are disciples bearing good fruit, even though we can point to signs of hope and goodness, there is still evil around us, and there are still challenges to our life and our faith and our progress. It's a nuanced view. It's much more complicated than folks who want to tell you that faith fixes everything, that believing makes it all go away. We can't pretend that just because Jesus has come, all is well. And we can't just plod along, close our ears to the sufferings of the present time, thinking, well, I have what I need. Instead, this text seemed to suggest to us that those sufferings of the present time are intentional. They are the works of darkness, of discord, violence, and war, of hunger and fear and division, of all the things that divide us and encourage us to betray each other and hurt each other. This text would suggest to us that it is all intentional, that it was sown to create chaos, to impede the growth of the word and the growth of the kingdom. And it is our job, as the wheat, we hope, to stand tall and bear good fruit and proclaim the coming of the kingdom by the way that we live, even in the midst of the chaos and the darkness, to sow love and to grow kindness and to battle that chaos that divides us. This is a nuanced view of the world that asks us to be patient, to seek to be ever more patient and loving and kind, like the one who created us a lofty, perhaps unreachable goal, but the thing that sits in front of all of us. Here's the last part. We also have to hold this parable in contention with all of the other texts in Scripture. Just like any time we read Scripture, we have to come to it with the lens of the fullness of the whole thing. And even the epistle today alludes to the idea that God will redeem all of creation which if you were listening carefully to the parable, doesn't sound like what Jesus is saying. It is tempting to be led by this parable to believe that the weeds are other people. In fact, that is how many Christians have interpreted it for generations, that we as Christians are the wheat, we are the fruit bearers. And the other people who don't believe us and don't agree with us, well, they're just the weeds, and we have to wait it out and then God will do what God does. 
It's a simple explanation, isn't it? But it's a bit judgmental, no? And perhaps a bit too easy? And a little counterintuitive to the gospel of love that we think we hear in the fullness of the whole text? It's a little too easy to interpret it that way, I think. Too easy for us to let ourselves off the hook. Usually, when Matthew talks about the children of something in his gospel, be it children of light, children of darkness, children of the kingdom, children of the evil one, this is a formula for Matthew, it's not always as simple as we might think. In fact, what he's usually talking about are the works of one or the other. So the works of God, the works of the devil, the product, the ideas, the goodness, and so the invitation isn't necessarily to look out at the world around us and decide who is producing grain and who is a weed. Though Christians have loved that interpretation for obvious reasons. The real invitation of this text is for us to look inside and find the weeds within. To be patient that's right, I said be patient, to not tear them out, to not tear it ourselves, to not pull away the good things while we try to pull away the bad things. We aren't meant to punish ourselves or hurt ourselves, but remember instead that God promises that all of creation will be redeemed, that you are beloved. And that even though you are still a work in progress, if the seed of the word is in your heart, if you are trying to grow in the direction of the kingdom, then a good work has already begun in you. So be patient. Learn over time to identify the weeds from the wheat within you. Don't just go running around trying to pull things out all over the place. Instead, do the work. And you might ask what that looks like, and I'm about to tell you. Isn't that handy? Learn. Grow. Be a part of a faith community. Have good, healthy relationships. See a therapist. Talk to your priest. Read. Come back to scripture. Come back to this table. Choose healthy patterns and healthy relationships. Choose again and again, day after day, to do the work. Choose the good instincts. Choose the products and the ideas and the actions and the heart of goodness and light and kindness in the kingdom instead of the things that we know lead us down the wrong path, instead of the things that are even kind of ambivalent and ambiguous in the middle. Choose the kingdom part of you, the loving part of you, the hopeful part of you, and feed and defend and protect that part. Give yourself more and more to those good things so that the fruit in you will increase and the weeds in you will diminish. And remember that the God who created you has planted that word in you, that this God promises to redeem you and is always with you, like a loving caretaker who is watching and protecting, who wants to see you thrive and to give you good things to help you grow. Be patient. You do not have to be perfect today or tomorrow. In fact, it was only Jesus who was perfect. Never decide 
that you or something else or someone else that God has made is beyond repair or irredeemable because God does wonders every day and promises to redeem all of creation, even you, even me. The kingdom has come in you. That is the good news of this parable, that the kingdom has come and is growing in you by your breathing, by your being, by your believing. Isn't that something? The kingdom has come in you, but our work is not done yet. So bear good fruit that it might not only change your life, but the life of the world around you. Amen.